0: I'm Josh Barrow.
1: And I'm Lynette Lopez. And this is Hard Pass.
0: Something really humiliating happened to me the other day. Just the other day? Well, I mean, among other times. My fiancé and I went to get on a plane together, and they upgraded him, and they did not upgrade (gasps) me.
1: Oh my god.
0: In fairness, I've done this to him before. No. Um and you know they have the they have the big board, so it's not just like your own private humiliation. Everybody at the gate can see who who was and wasn't important enough oh, to get a first class seat. That's terrible. But the the more infuriating thing overall is that there are just fewer of these free upgrades to go around in general. Um because Delta and the other um major domestic airlines have basically figured out this thing over the last few years where they used to have on domestic flights a first class cabin that they sold almost no seats in because first class was like three or four times as expensive as coach and how many people were really going to pay that. And so what they would do is they would upgrade their frequent travelers from coach into first and use it as a loyalty measure. If you fly with us a lot, you'll get lots of upgrades. And then I think one day some executive just figured out, hey, why do we give this thing away for free when we can get people to pay for it? So they've cut fares a lot. You may have noticed lately when you book fares, the first of all, the airline sites will show you the first class fare next to the coach fare, whether or not you asked to see it. And there are a lot lower than they used to be it might be you know on a one-way flight that's about three hours long it might be a hundred dollars more than coach hundred and fifty dollars It's which gonna is vary. worth
1: it worth it
0: right or it's you know or it's, it's worth it to enough travelers and so they're selling more and more of these seats and then also in addition to the upfront sales they're doing more of these things where you check in and say will you pay eighty dollars more to sit in first class on this flight
1: generally the answer is yes
0: And uh, as a result of that, as they sell more and more of these seats, that's great for the airlines, but for passengers like me who used to get those upgrades for free, those are just seats that are not available to upgrade me into anymore, which is unfortunate.
1: Oh, it's so sad that you're getting punished for being a lifelong airplane nerd.
0: It's interesting, though. If you want to know how your airline is going to fuck you in the future... Don't read any of the stuff that they send you. What you need to do is look at the earnings reports. Okay. Because the earnings report is where the airline brags about how good it is at getting money out of passengers and how good it's going to be at that in the future.
1: So because of some Swedish guy who took down an American investment bank back in the 1920s, all companies have to file quarterly earnings reports that tell you what's going on, how much money they've got, how much money they made, whatever. Now, after those earnings reports, they tend to have a call with investors. It's during that call call with investors that these CEOs really give you the tea. They tell you exactly how they're going to jack up prices, how well they're doing, how they feel about the American consumer. And in the case of these airlines, they talk about how they're going to turn this into, you know, like celebrity deathmatch in first class.
0: And so that's the key thing. I mean, the, the earnings reports are, are are nominally for the investors. They're important to the shareholders. They're important to people who lend money to the company. But because they contain so much information about how the company does business and plans to do business in the future, they can have lots of relevant information for customers or employees of companies. And they're where the company will be real with you. Because if, if it's if it's marketing to the consumer, they, they act like, oh, we're in this business because we love you and we love flying and we want to fly you in the most luxury and comfortable way possible. The earnings report is where they talk about what they're really in business for, which is to make a profit by getting you to pay them money. The CEOs
1: think that the only people are listening to listening are a bunch of Wall Streeters. And then sometimes, we journalists tag along and are like, oh my God.
0: When I worked at Wells Fargo, my second week of work, I went to this training session and the chief credit officer of the bank talked to us about who never to lend money to. And the first thing was never lend money to an airline. Airlines used to be heavily regulated. The federal government told them where they could fly and how much airfare they could charge, and it made airlines sort of a cozy, protected industry that made nice profits. And then in the 1970s, the the industry got deregulated and got much more competitive. Fares came down a lot. It was great for customers, but airlines just kept going bankrupt over and over again. But for some reason, I think because people have romantic ideas about planes and flying is cool, people kept investing in airlines and opening new ones and expanding capacity, and so they just kept going, bankrupt over and over. It was a terrible proposition for investors. That's turned around a lot in the last few years. Airlines are really profitable again. And there are sort of two stories you can tell about that. One is, well, this thing that was going on with airlines for decades, where it was just this big wealth transfer away from investors and in airlines toward customers of airlines could not go on forever. People were, there was eventually, you, you were going to run out of dumb money to invest in airlines and prices were going to go up as capacity shrank. The other thing people say about airlines is that as so many of them have merged and we just have mostly four really big airlines in the U.S., there's just less competition. And so they've been able to raise fares more. And then on top of that, you have this novel argument about indexing claiming that as index funds have risen in popularity, more and more investors don't own stock in just one company. They own stock in every major company in the industry through the index fund. So if you own stock in United and American and Delta, you don't want United and Delta to compete fiercely with each other on fares. You want them to play nice, keep fares high, get money out of customers, return it to shareholders.
1: So ultimately, the result of all these bankruptcies, though, um, was the fact that these airlines, these companies, were forced to make a profit— by uh, by courts who took them through bankruptcy proceedings and said, no, you cannot continue undercutting each other and going to war. You have to actually be a functioning company.
0: So one of the things you see in Delta's earnings report is these targets of what percentage of first-class seats are going to be sold to people who paid to sit in first. And by 2018, they're planning to sell at least 70% of the first-class cabin. So only 30% of those seats in total, which means, you know, less than 30% on really popular flights, are going to be available for upgrades.
1: So this is going to be like Hunger Games.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, for, for frequent travelers who are constantly away from their families and have no life and spend all their time on a plane, the one thing they had was the hope of an upgrade. And not just the better seat, but the, the feeling of emotional affirmation from the airline saying to them, you matter. You get this special thing because we care about you. There's just going to be less of that.
1: Now they're just going to be like, sorry, she doesn't have the range.
0: Hard Pass is produced by Ben Riskin. Our cover art is by John Fulton, and the music you are hearing is by Aaron Leader.